Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Okay. Is that the episode? That was it. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I am Eduardo, and I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And today, man, uh, blasting off right into season three. So this is exciting. Very exciting. I mean, it obviously doesn't feel any different than it did if it was season two, season one. But for you, the listener, pretty exciting. Yeah. And you you said your name like really suave. Oh, this did time. I? That was really nice. That was really nice. Um, Once in a while, I guess I can, you know, enunciate a little better. Um, well, it's good to see you. And I'm really excited to, you know, come back to the Tarot. And, you know, it just feels like a lot of time has gone by between the last time we, we spoke um, in regards to the Tarot. We left off with the um, High Priestess. Mm-hmm. And that was really deep. I, that part I don't forget. You know, uh, one of the things in this series that we're doing with the Tarot, what we'll hear a lot of Daniel and I talk about isn't just, you know, what the deeper meaning behind each card represents, but also, you know, just like a long, long list of things that we've already contributed to the podcast and conversations that sort of, you know, intertwine with, with the way we, we converse about these cards. And the high priestess was one that really, for me as a person who doesn't really um, know that much in regards to all the depth that the tarot can bring, it kind of grabbed me where I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what it represents and how it's represented. It is so, obvious once you've had maybe just a little bit of information prior to uh embarking on on the on the breakdown of the tarot and so it it just it really kind of i wouldn't even say it rattled me it just sort of did something where i was like this is you know for you you're very calm you're like yeah well that's what it's supposed to do it's like how it it reaches that level of your subconscious but also if you have an understanding um prior to embarking on the tarot of what these symbols mean and why they're you know, a representation of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, now we go into the Empress, which is great because it's not as, um, it's not as if it's not as deep as the high priestess, but there was something that I can't wait to talk to you about where seems a little like the card itself and the idea behind it lends itself. I don't know, I guess like with a lighter feel than the high priestess did for me. The high priestess, I was like, oh my, I, I had to go back so many times to sort of pick up exactly what was really putting, what was put down uh, before us. And so with the empress, it's just as deep, but it's, there's something, I don't know, just, it, it kind of, the, the way it changed the course for me is just sort of like kind of obvious, I suppose. Okay. We'll talk about that and why. Yeah, no. Here I- in a second. I mean, obviously she is a representation of the female archetype but just a different representation. And so I'm excited to talk about that. And um, let's get right into it, man, with the Empress. Yeah. Again, when we start to notice these energies and start to dance with these astrological and these tarot archetypes, it does pull something over you. And we talked about the submergence that happened with that, the High Priestess card. And 
It really is. The high priestess is going to represent the lunar component of the female archetype, and today we're going to get the that that solar component right. of the feminine archetype. You know, so we are making that transition, and light brings clarity, and this is going to kind of go from gestation to creation, and that's what we're going to kind of be seeing. And so, there's much more tangible experience externally that's with this Empress card, it. right? That's you what know? I meant. Not to make it lame, I wasn't trying to go that direction, but that's a Great way to put it is exactly that. The transition and how it lends itself to you is, is quite different for sure. Right, absolutely. But lighter in a way. Right, absolutely. And that's what we're doing. We're doing the story of the fool. And this is playing out within us. And so these are these are important components for us to observe, distill, and then instill into ourselves. And remember, this is this is what this this journey was meant to be. This is why we have the archetypes, this is why we have the plays. This is why we'd have the physical rituals and the mystery schools. These cards pull something out of your subconscious and they really protrude you on this path. And again, we kind of speak about it as like approaching these, the story of the fool is the same as approaching the story of the bastard with the Zodiac wheel. And it's this responsibility that we take for our own spiritual development and our own spiritual understanding. And so what we're going to see here with the Empress is some of the, the harvesting that comes from some of these spiritual seeds that we planted or explored and uncovered with that high priestess. And so really interesting. We're really going to kind of study these in tandem to each other, you know, as one being the opposite kind of reflection of the other and how they kind of, they kind of play out. Um, And so, you know, one of the, I think the first thing that we'll kind of throw this conversation with, and this is funny because sometimes this comes up, in the beginning of our conversation, sometimes it's the last thing we speak about. But I think addressing the number three. You know, oh, yeah. Let's the, go with the number. Right? Let's oh, start with the number. That, um, makes, that makes me excited, dude, because I feel like it does sometimes get lost somewhere in the middle. And I think starting it off is just right? perfect. Right. Absolutely. You know? Um, and so, obviously, we remember that the full card is the zero. So, this is the three card. But this also is the fourth numbered card. It's the fourth card in the deck. It's the third numbered card, but it's the fourth card in the deck. So we're gonna have a we're gonna have a marriage between creation and form here. And that marriage is gonna be a very important thing because we're gonna think about marriage beyond just the the representation that we perceive it as, but really seeing it as this harmonious aspect of Venus coming in and being the marriage between spirit and form and everything else. And so this, this three to four transition is, is very powerful. Um, and three is going to represent so many things. Like we spoke about this, she brings it up in the 78 degrees of wisdom. And it's also in the young and oh, Rachel, Rachel Pollock. Yes. The book. And then also the young and Tarot, an archetypal journey. They also, bring up this aspect of the number three. And, you know, even in Pythagorean numerology, the number three is the first real number. One and two were essences. And so what we're going to see here is just the aspect of the need for Trinity for creation. Can I, like multiplicity? Multiplicity, yeah. Multiplicity is going to be a little bit more. Yeah, multiplication is where three is kind of represents, right? right? Um, Because we almost get addition with like the two. Um, So yeah, multiplication is something that actually comes from like this three aspect, um, obviously, um, like esoterically. But this this number three plays 
a, a component of creation leading to form. And it's this marriage that we're going to be looking at and how we can actually study form to learn creation. And that's what we actually use this natural world and the discovery of ourselves <clears throat> to do. And so that's what we're we're kind of working with here. And so when we obviously think about the Trinity, we think of it as thought, emotion, and action. Mm-hmm. Um, but all aspects in this creative realm have to belong to a Trinity. You know, you have past, present, future, right? We have height, width, length, right? We have, you know, space, time, and matter. Everything is kind of operating within this Trinity. And so this is what precedes creation. And it's when we kind of activate this thought, emotion, action, that we're starting to harvest some of the these like the the grain in the the seeds that we planted with this empress card and that's what we're kind of utilizing here is the harvesting of this energy the discovery of the natural world and also the discovery of this natural world and how this trinity works within us well i was going to ask with respect to that um idea of you know the what it what it adds up to so and i know that rachel pollock and the 70 degrees of wisdom talks about it with numbers and talks about the dark and the light from the magician and the high priestess coming together mm-hmm. to make this new form. Is that what you're sort of alluding to? Exactly. Like- yeah. So thought is the magician. And then we have emotion, which is more of what we're dealing with, like the subconscious, that realm that we were exploring with the high priestess. High priestess. Right. Okay. Now what's interesting is we kind of are exploring the high priestess, but she almost represents the pattern beyond like the pattern behind all form Mm. and then the empress is going to represent the pattern that's hidden in form but there is like a logical component to this high priestess that's going to kind of give way to this more going with this flow empress um receptive kind of energy right so we're going to kind of talk about how those two explore but we do we have the the fire of the thought you know move the water's of the internal self. And that's when the male phallus actually moves the waters of that, you know, um, the chalice, Mm -hmm. which is the subconscious of our mind, right? And it actually moves the waters for it to go from that thought emotion to be turned into this action. And so that's exactly what we have. The wand is actually kind of waved over the water to cause it to change. And then it's going to kind of breed out and blossom into this creation that's going to be kind of presented, which is what this Empress card looks at. You know, uh, with the high priestess, and I like how you're talking about that lunar energy, are we still talking about the energy regards to, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this um, along the way. So you know where I'm coming from, but as far as it's planetary energy, is it still like dealing with Venus or the high priestess? So the high priestess would have been, more the moon, right? So, right. so, so when you say lunar energy, that's what I mean. So we go to the moon, but then this one is Venus. Is Venus and Venus, and so it's the Venus, but it also is the solar representation of this, right? And what Venus is is Venus is just the harmonizer. It's the bringer together. You know, Venus is the connect. It's the it's that mutual connection point when the artist puts its paintbrush to the canvas. That's Venus, the coming together of these energies, the coming together of spirit and matter. You know, all of these these aspects of harmonization is what Venus is all about. Right. And so, this lunar energy that belongs to the high priestess is going to be more of that, like almost like that subconscious. Um, you know, even just like how she 
how she's sitting, how she's more of a fixed position Mm -hmm. where the high priestess is sitting more in like a flowed, relaxed kind of position. Yeah. That's really what we're kind of looking at here. It's the, it's, it's, again, it's the high priestess teaches us that there is what we perceive as chaos. There is actually a form behind, behind, if we can understand the pattern. And then the empress is going to make that form coming into manifestation. And if we can actually see the pattern in the creation, we can connect back to that, the ultimate pattern, if that makes sense. It does. So you're saying that if you were to witness, and I don't want to jump around with the whole, because I want to obviously break down what we see visually when we look at the Rider Wade card, but can we assume that her composure or her lackadaisical like look comes from the fact that she has knowledge internally now that we just covered with the high mm-hmm. priestess and the magician? It's like she's she's not necessarily just not caring enough about where she her disposition is in this journey. She's more we have witnessed that we know what's going on internally. Exactly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The popus, the 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 high priest serves the spirit, the empress fulfills the spirit. Cool. And that's a great way to kind of think about that. And and that's exactly what we're we're kind of talking about is kind of tapping into that to that deep unconscious energy and kind of uncovering it to bring it into fruition, to bring it into existence. Awesome, man. And so, yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm excited, man, because this again, this is a this is a really great conversation, and we're really going to speak about natural law and the order of things, and why it's so important to learn this realm that we're in and everything that it can kind of teach us. Um, and that's going to have some um, some good quick traits that we see as light, and then there'll be some darker, you know, tough experiences that kind of come with this Empress card. Totally. Um, but yeah, connecting it to creation, you know, this is exactly what the Freemasonic compass is with the number three. If you've ever seen the William Blank paintings of creation, where it's actually the universal creator putting his fingers down and making that triangle. Um, and this is, this is where it's all going to be looking at. And it's going to be looking at form, nature, this experience of life as, as this classroom. And that's what the Empress is trying to show us is there's always information to be harvested from our awareness and our experiences. And what the Empress does is it kind of teaches us not to only harvest that energy, but to almost get itself out of the way. So this unique spirit energy that we've kind of reawoken and reconnected to in the high priestess can start working through us. And that's what's going to be this interesting thing. As we kind of move towards the Tarot, we're going to learn a lot about how our brain operates. We're going to learn a lot about the balancing of the neocortexes, ruling from that top level and, you know, working down. But everything we're doing is learning the brain so the brain can kind of take the step away and this heart energy that was kind of reconnected to in the high priestess can start flowing through us, you know? And that's this unique thing, the you know, as we're kind of going through all of this esoteric information and as we're going into this third season, it's very important to understand the esoteric significance of the heart and following the heart and getting truly connected to it and how your brain learns to almost, we learn our brain to have it step out of the way so we can fully kind of express this, this, the same creative pattern that we're going to see in nature emanate and express through us. 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so the Empress is going to kind of help us see that way of the heart and how we more go with the flow rather than putting up our own restrictions. And we're going to kind of get a balanced aspect of that later on, like the Emperor card. But the Empress with this three is letting creation happen and letting creation unfold. And I think that's a I think that's always an important topic for us to kind of think about, you know, when do we actually go with the flow and let creation blossom? And that's actually, we actually spoke about this on a patron video this week with the yin yang and how 60%, like 66.6% of the energy in the yin yang is going with the flow. And it's 33% that's kind of holding against the flow. And like recognizing where that is in our life and trying to align ourselves and ground ourselves in this electromagnetic energy that is this universal life force that this high pre that this empress is really kind of just letting flow through her, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that we'll starting right off with the idea of, of what the empress represents to the exoteric, right? So you have the mother, but you have this sort of um, love without condition, you know, um, and as you were just saying, being in this flow state and although all that may be true, uh, as far as that representation that is basic, you know, um, we now know why there's an ability for creation. So like even, even for us as beings, you know, when we're ready to take on a new, um, member of our family and we're ready to multiply and have another uh, experience that two people come together to create, it doesn't come without a history of what we've gone through in um, a dark period and in a light period. At least you hope so when people are ready for that moment. And I feel like in the Empress, she's that's what, that's what she's constantly representing is that she's ready for that creation period to take place. So I kind of, I don't know if you wanted to say like, um, that mother goddess archetype, as they've, they've said, like, why do we do we want to start there? You know, why? Yeah, no, that's perfect. Perfect. And again, you know, we, creativity is something that happens within us and we get these internal, like, inspirations. And so with this great mother, we're really getting into this, this aspect of nurturing, you know, nurturing a creation, nurturing whatever that creation is. It could be a person, it could be nurturing an animal, it could be nurturing a career, it could be mm -hmm. nurturing a relationship. But this is the nurturing component of, you know, how we align spirit and purpose together. And that and then that coming together and that harmonization. And, you know, what nurturing does and what this great mother kind of represents is the the aspect that we are always nurturing something and choosing what energy we kind of attach ourselves to, to where we're going to kind of put that is, is really important. And that's kind of what this, this empress energy kind of represents too. She's, you know, seeing what nature provides and then deciding where we're going to kind of align our energies because we can't put our energies into too many different places because then creation gets hindered. But when we kind of choose and go with the flow of what, what feels right, that's what this, this empress is really kind of, kind of nudging us to do. Um, but this, this aspect of nurturing is, is just such an important component for all of us to look into. And, 
you know, having that talk and having that reflection of what am I nurturing in my life? Because you're always nurturing something. You can be nurturing negative habits, you know, self-defeating ideas, but you could also be nurturing unconditional love. Like you said, what this, the ultimate image, what this archetype represents. Um, but you could also be nurturing, you know, self-growth, self-unfoldment. And so looking at that, that component and understanding how nurturing plays a role in, in who we are and what it uncovers in us. You know, a lot of people don't realize until they have something that depends on them for life, how much they learn by just participating in that natural process, you know, like feeding an animal, watering a plant, or tapping your Tamagotchi button, like whatever it is, whatever that life that represents, you know, we serve life. Um, we get connected to this Empress card because life serves life. And that's what this empress is going to kind of teach us. And that's what the mother unconditionally shows. It's just a full unconditional service to the life of their creation, which is usually represented by the baby. And again, this, this empress card, this same energy can be obviously expressed in a male, female, whatever, yeah. you know, all of it. Um, but it's this, this motherly love, which is again, when, you know, we, we put, we, we classify love with a word that kind of comes before it, right? Like we say, like fatherly love, romantic love, and that's how we kind of break them up. But motherly love is, is its own thing, right. you know? And we all have motherly love within us, but understanding that different component of love and how it's different than, you know, sibling love, it's how it's different than romantic, you know, so many other things. Um, but when we have that motherly nurturing approach, something is is activated within us. And whether it shows patterns to us, creates insights, it's always usually a very productive thing for us to take on, you know? And so with this Empress energy, you know, thinking about what we're nurturing in life, because we all are nurturing something, but making sure that that's what we want to create, because that's kind of what this Empress card is, is kind of letting us know there, that creation is just unfolding. It's like, where do you play a role in it? Um, and how much are you aligning yourself with it? And how much are you kind of putting your feet in the sand and dragging yourself? Right. Right? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that when you start to read right away, something that caught my eye that I didn't think I'd see in her explanation that her being Rachel Pollock here talks about um, how the emotions of female um, and motherhood are all sort of feelings from a non-intellectual basic part of life. Mm -hmm. But it, it's kind of interesting because like, I guess you're saying in this position, you're following more your passion and your instincts within that passion, right? You're just, you're doing after you've done your sort of heavy meditating on what you feel needs to be addressed, you can now take on this sort of energy. But I, again, this is where I was sort of not perplexed. There's nothing about it that was like necessarily perplexing, but I was, you know, sort of curious as to why the, this mother energy, you know, this, this sort of, you know, what I'm talking about because whether it's male or female, you know, why do we have this, this feeling for nurturing? Like, where is it going to take us next? You know? Right. So it makes sense what you're saying, I guess. Yeah, no. And we do, we want to kind of think of the, and it's interesting because it's, you would think of it as lunar with the high priestess as looking at the intellectual side of the archetype. It's kind of interesting that we would see it in the moon and the emotion will kind of come out in the sun. Um, 
but again, that's we're dealing with like the the paradox of the tarot cards. You know, that's how we're kind of looking at it. And so, yeah, when it speaks about this Empress card being more of the emotional intelligence, you know, but that's that's an important thing for us to understand because thoughts do feel different than emotions. Yeah, you know, and like that's one of the biggest things that comes with early occult teachings. You know, that was like why the thought, emotion, action was separated because we're like. Oh, hot dog. These are two different things. You know, one's this like thing that kind of streams in that's like a train. And this other thing is this internal process that's within me. Um, and again, we're getting it to the point to where that heart center is is bringing in the best thoughts so we can be lead it, led in the, the correct way and have like the right. correct shepherd, which is, you know, Christ consciousness kind of coming in. But this is what we're looking at here, you know, um, really looking at the high priestesses. It's, it's kind of helped us purify and heal energy within us. So now this empress can kind of blossom through and show her beauty, even in our in like internal unfoldment, you know? And so, yeah, it's going to represent more of the emotional and the sensational side of life, but that's an important component. And, you know, the ultimate thing is, you know, one of the ultimate things I should say is, is the connection that this empress mother energy, if the high priestess is like the virgin, the empress is like the queen or the grandmother, right? This mother's on three different levels. We have our own personal connection with our mother who carried us in their womb. We have the next level is mother nature, this blossoming housing unit of universal consciousness. And then above that is the universal mother. And so one of the things that we need to to think about when we're approaching these cards, and especially with the Empress and the Emperor, which is going to come next, is we have to make sure that we have a proper relationship with these cards that's has our past incorporated in it, but objectively have divorced ourselves from certain things so we can see this archetype in its true form. And what we're talking about here is is the relationship that we have with the universal mother and the relationship that we have with the universal father. Mm. These two energies. This is something that we actually have to go back and make sure we have a proper relationship with it. Because we could have had a great mother that helped us see this mother energy. We could have had a great father. Or, you know, both of them could have had experienced this. But some of us didn't. Some of us might have not had the full expression that kind of came in. And that's actually hindering our connection with this archetype because we personally don't have the correct relationship with it. And so what we need to do is kind of connect to these these cards on a spiritual level so we can see the more of the representation of the universal archetype of these energies, which is the empress, which is the great mother, rather than just our personal subjective connection with these. Um, and so we are always going back to make sure we have the highest relationship with those two universal components, the sun and the moon, because they play such a big role in our life. And this is this is what it's kind of asking us to do here is to really explore that aspect of motherhood, nurturing, and just how, you know, you don't even have to teach motherhood. It's just like this automatic thing that nurturing kind of just comes out of us, Um you know, some people are more in tune to it than others, obviously, but we all kind of know to how to kind of nurture something without having to be like taught on it in its fullest extent. You know, in regards to this idea of this, you know, motherly energy that we're kind of talking about here is that connection that we have to the natural world, 
uh, more specifically like mother nature and then how that operates within the realms of natural law. You know, uh, I know you kind of mentioned that a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it was before the podcast started or during like the beginning that we were talking about it, but I kind of wanted to go that way because I know that through passion comes that creative force and that creative force is fueled by that passion. But like, how does that all sort of incorporate within this sort of, you know, motherly energy that's found outside of that, you know? Yeah, no, perfect question. And again, not to talk about mother nature with this, when we think about the mother archetype, uh, that's robbing us from the greatest classroom there is. Right. Right. Um, And so that's what we're going to be really exploring here is mother nature and this aspect of like this blossoming of form, because unlike the high priestess, this book isn't healed. It's not a sealed scroll, like which we see like with the Torah, the the scroll that's sitting on her lap. It, the Empress really has all of the harvest on display. Um, and that's what Mother Nature is going to represent. Mother Nature is this deepening understanding of this unconditional love as all also as life in service of life is what we're going to kind of see here. And the Empress card really is the is the ultimate connection to the to the greatest textbook we can have, which is Mother Nature. And this is something we can't stress enough. And we've actually really started speaking about it on patron videos. And it's really where I think we'll take a lot of those videos because understanding natural law and what is operating in this realm and seeing how nature works and how nature gives to everything. And nature is always giving all to, you know, nature gives life to everything it has. And seeing that flow, how it works in nature and how if it's unimpeded by, you know, negative human ideas, it really has this like beautiful blossoming, almost like secret garden component to it. And so what we're going to be kind of asked with the Empress is to make sure that we are seduced by the right things, which is the deep wisdom that nature contains, rather than getting seduced by the form of nature, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, because it's going to seduce you. It's got a seductive aspect. Beauty attracts, like it pulls your attention into it. And Mother Nature is the most beautiful. She's always like, look at my curves, look at my colors. It's this beautiful thing that pulls us in. Well, What's pulling us in is actually the deep wisdom and the pattern that is contained in the form when you start to perceive that pattern. That's what's actually seducing you. But there's a false seduction that can come with this empress. And that is just getting pulled down into form, um, getting pulled. um, And so what we really want to do is not get so much in this empress because it's the idea of spirit descending into matter, but it's blossoming the internal spirit to give birth within the form of matter is what we're really trying to do here with the empress and so it's the celebration of form but it's the celebration of the universal pattern that's beyond form that we can see in all aspects of creation um so again making sure we have that right direction with mother nature um and understand that there is in mother nature there is this duality um, thermodynamic law of energy where, you know, things have to be sacrificed and we have to eat other organisms to survive. And that's the, even if you're on a vegan plant-based diet, 
you know? It's part of this process of this incarnation and learning that, um, learning the tough laws of nature, you know, not just learning about, you know, species predation, but like interspecies predation, which we kind of see with like humans. Um, you gotta learn all these components. You gotta look at not only the beauty and the pattern, but also the amount of deception that's in form and how we can so much be deceived when we attach ourselves to this Maya and we don't see it as this, not so much the lockbox, but it's got the key as well that's within it, you know? But I think we can lock ourselves into form and create our own prison guards and prison bars very easily, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a natural order to things and you can find it easily, obviously, in nature in order to fuel that passion that she has in order to create thereafter with a mimic of that influence, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. at times. And I think that that's something that everyone can relate to when they're either, you know, communing with uh, with nature and other uh, experiences like that that allow them to have a perspective um, that then is represented in their art or their creation or whatever they're fostering, whatever they're trying to um, nurture, you know, comes from that that same spirit, from that same place. And so, but it is true, there is that duality uh, and that reality that regards to, you know, uh, the flow state that we're going to talk about here then that has that sort of um, sacrifice that is also that comes with it. You know right. what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and we talk about that with, with the process of alchemy and how certain things are supposed to be dominated in this realm and certain things that we surrender to. And the high priestess taught us to surrender to our, you know, intuitive self and connect into more of those spiritual instincts. And the Empress is actually asking us to surrender to the laws of mother nature. Right. You know, you either learn them or you meet your demise with them. Um, and, you know, this Empress card is this beautiful card that we'll look at, but this also represents, you know, Kali. And this is the coming back to take all of its creation back. You know, mother nature Mother Nature, it's so funny because it's like this Empress card, right? We have Venus. But, and I know we speak about this a lot, but Mother Nature, like this Empress card helps the idea of like the true meaning behind every board game. You know, whether it's the game of life, whether it's game Monopoly, whether it's Yahtzee, whatever happens in that game, it all goes back into the box. And that's what this Empress card kind of teaches us. Like nature is always like, hey, everything that's in form is going to turn to sand. You know, even in Monopoly, whoever had Boardwalk, whoever was the little top hat, whoever was the banker, like it doesn't matter because it all goes back into the box. And that's kind of what this Empress card is teaching us. And so, you know, not only do we learn about the, the ebb and flow, life and death dance of nature, but we also kind of start to you know, have a better awareness of our finite experience in this, in this meat suit. Totally. You know, and we see that there's a, there's an expiration date to this and to the form because to every form there is. Right. And that's why we want to connect to something a little bit, a little bit deeper, you know? Yeah. There's principles behind everything. And that's this natural law component is non, it's, it, it represents the emotions, but it's non-emotional, right. right? It's just like an input processing output um, kind of process. And so, you know, that's what we're, we're kind of exploring when we look at this, 
this component of mother nature and learning the laws, because if we don't learn them, if we don't learn to act with our flow and we just kind of sit on creativity and inspirations and passions, well, yeah, it will definitely, definitely will, will feel the effect of that, you know, and it comes in so many different things. Um, but we need to, that we are expressive beings, you know, this is the dance. The first card is kind of the light. The second card is dancing with the darkness. And this is the, the beautiful dance that kind of comes between there, which is creation, which is the birth of that child. And so, um, yeah, man, I think it's, it's such an interesting thing. And that's with all these energies, you know, um, the Empress also kind of teaches us that there's a right action for the right season. Mm. You know, and now we can't just be like, oh, well, this is always going to be the right way to respond to a situation. No, there's always a right response for the certain ex situation that you find yourself in. But it's all, not always going to be the same. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be the same challenge. It's not going to, because we, we need to learn different lessons. Right. You know, so proper action at the proper time. Um, you don't plant seeds in the winter. You know, you plant them and you do it with the harvest, right? You don't do it when the ground's frozen. Right. Um. And that's the same thing with how we need to act in life too, you know? So again, just learning all of this aspect of natural law and how this component works. And, you know, what we're doing here is when we align the natural law, we don't only learn more about nature, but we free up the restrictions to nature within us. And we can ground into this electric flow of this universal creation. And that's what this, this empress is wanting for us to fertilize and create hmm. so we can harvest. So the meaning for it inverted, so if you were to get the card upside down, what exactly are you sort of denying yourself? Oh, cool, yeah, no, and that's and that's a good thing to look at, you know, how the card falls, right? Um, and so if you do get it upside down and you think it was kind of for significance for that, that can mean two things, it can mean a couple things. It's, it can mean we're blocking our flow without not knowing it, it could mean that there's emotional creativity that we're not paying attention to. Um, and it also could mean that we're not in a proper um, like environment for this to be. Right. You know? And again, that might need us changing our perspective on the environment. Okay. But that also might need us changing the environment completely. But again, when, when it comes up and you're doing like a personal reading, it will be pretty – your instinct of what comes up – flashes in your eyes and that's because it's it's again it's that's kind of how that energy kind of works so what our first thoughts on can be a really good telling point a lot of like hey this is what like this is the seed that exploded of consciousness immediately when i saw that you know so we can we can kind of zone in on it but you know it's if the if the you know the direct upside down is the going with the flow of nature and unfolding creation through yourself then, you know, we can look at the inversion really easily as like, oh, that's you blocking the creative flow. Right, that's right. You, you're not in, you know, the force isn't working within you. Um, and so that's that's a good way to kind of look at all of these cards so far. You know, once you learn the, once you meet ruler in it, you can kind of understand the inversion a little bit better. Um, but the inversion has to be presented to us. We're not going to always have times where this Empress card is right side up because we don't always have times when this Empress card is right side up. So, you know, learning the inversion, learning the other side, the opposite polarity, that's that's a really important component with, again, kind of advancing this study on, on natural law. Hmm. Um, and again, you know, natural law, I think, again, we're going to kind of go into it. There is 
a classic text on natural law. And if you guys are interested, it is Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma. Now, again, everybody has their own unique feelings on Albert Pike, um, but we can take his information for what he was presented as um, some of the greatest literature probably written on how that component and how that re- how this realm is operated and how we can learn it and kind of um, learn to navigate it more correctly. Right. Um, because it is the deepest lesson and it is the ultimate classroom. Um, and it's always in front of our eyes. You know, like the information is just like right out there with this card. You know, it's just in your face, all the harvest, all the the wheat that is kind of presented. And so, should we just, should we jump into the card for a second? Did you have any other? No, I mean, yeah. we started with the three. So, let's get back to the card, the image. My curiosity was sort of leading me to it that you already answered, which is, you know, if you know what the card is representing, then you can just assume that not doing what it represents is the inversion and the consequence that will come with it is pretty obvious as well if if you're seeing all the things that you're reaping and so with this imagery what i like about it obviously is we we broke down three and we understand where we're coming from we understand what the what what came before right with with uh one and two but now as we're in three and we move down into the images you we've talked a lot about you know not just nature and what occurs in natural law but also the harvest um you know, what we're reaping back from and the flow. And so we know we can start with, I'll start with yellow. So the yellow in the back, you know, I don't, I would say it's a new day, dawn, you know, and the new day is, is commencing. And then obviously there's, there's the, the beautiful landscape that we, we have the emperor sitting in and the river that is flowing coming from a place where we kind of touched on with the high priestess. So let's go back to the yellow and the new day. So would you say that's sort of accurate with that golden, that golden yellow coming through? Yeah, man. And I love how you just brought that up because I'm, I'm looking at the, the deck right now and I'm looking at the 1909 original deck. And the nice thing is, is the full card is on the box and I have the Empress right here and I'm comparing the two yellows and you're so right. It's more of a dawn yellow compared to the full, which we kind of saw the sun is like almost, you know, just shining over um, or yeah, on their like, back. Yeah, you know? it's like a 10 a.m. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this one is going to be more of like the breaking through. And this is this is what we're talking about. This is like spring energy. This is the seed is high priestess, and now it's sprouting through the ground. And we're yep. having growth. Cool. We're having this beautiful unfoldment. This is the flowers blossoming, you know? Um, and this is new life energy. Just like when you held a puppy, childbirth, when a, when a flower blossoms, um, you know, this is, that's the same kind of unique kind of feeling that kind of comes from that. Um, but that's all connecting to the Empress right there. If totally. that makes sense, you know, creation, new yeah. days. Um, yeah, new days and then... Um you know, where she sits as, as opposed to this sort of, uh, what we, we left off with the high priestess. It's just sort of in the background. Um, I really like, um, you know, I know I was describing it as sort of this natural world occurring behind her, but the flow of that water coming through is just, do you Mm -hmm. want to go right into that? Yeah, no. And I think you brought up a lot of, a lot of good things there, you know, um, from, you know, her different stance. Again, we have, the third card, the Empress is sitting, which the High Priestess was the first, but it's in a much more of a relaxed, open kind of flow, um, much more kind of relaxed energy, where the High Priestess seems a little bit more rigid. Um, and 
that's exactly what we're kind of representing here is that grounding with that flow. And you're exactly right. Like we have that, that same water that was flowing from the high priestess as pure potentiality now has like an actuality of a frame and a direction and it's going into, and it's, it's going and it's harvesting all of this lush vegetation around her. Right. Mm -hmm. So that high priestess is kind of the precursor. It's the cause. And now we're seeing the effect of it. Now we're seeing the manifestation of those creative insights that connecting to our intuition. Now it's blossoming into like a beautiful harvest in life. What I'm really happy about this card is the frame in the background, all the way to the harvest at the, f- at the foot of, of, of her dress, of the wheat that is growing, the waterfall, the trees, and then the sky, all have enough space and purpose and direction to let you know, well, here's all the information at once. It's not so meticulous where you have to say, okay, like everything here has obviously a meaning in in how we how we see these symbols. If you're not picking up what's being put down, then you know you got to go back to to step one to sort of understand what they've been trying to allude to. But here's like the more the more it's ah, it lends itself easier to mm-hmm. you. Where it's like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting because like because you already started talking about so many things right off the bat with the podcast about you know the the harvest and it's just like there it is you know right. what i mean like if you didn't understand what was going on we're like there's this there's lush in this there's relaxation in this there's sort of an open more less jagged approach to what i'm seeing and and so anyways um i like that it's i guess what i'm saying is like in a macro size you can sort of categorize everything that's happening Without having to like dissect it to just, you know what I mean? Like to dissect it would be a foolish as it's showing you so much already. You know what I mean? Right. Hope right. that makes sense. No, absolutely. That's man. just how my, for, for the listener out there, that's my interpretation of when I look at it, I was like, okay, well it's obvious, but the, I, you know, you don't want to go assuming either. So anyways. Yeah, no. And as we go through this, every card builds on the other and we start to more see the holistic approach of all these cards, right. you know, and that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do here because that's what was when we really see the harvest and we see right. the holistic aspect of life. And, you know, the Empress is really teaching us too of like, are you seeing the lessons that are being presented to you? Like nature is always testing you. Right. And it's always presenting things to get your awareness, things to change your perspective. Um, are you aligning to that? Are you, are you being aware? Are you harvesting this unique information and insight that can later come into wisdom. Um, and so it's this interesting, it's this interesting kind of energy to, to kind of keep in our, in our awareness and always understand that we're always should be in the point of like harvesting the alchemical gold from our thoughts, our emotions and our experiences and ultimately our, our creations. Right. As someone who's like learning this along the way, Again, it's inter- interesting when I saw it, I was like, well, we're going to run through this pretty quickly because it's, it's again, lending itself so much to this, the obvious. But then that's incorrect for me to assume that I just know that if I talk to you about this topic regard in regards to where we're coming from, from the beginning, I know you're going to pick up what I'm putting down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's, so it's, sort, it's sort of you're witnessing its effect on someone else who's also interpreting you know what I mean? With yeah. you. So it's kind of, it's really cool because you kind of have like a witness of it. You're like, Oh, like this is how Eduardo is interpreting each image, you know, that comes up. But then a, a couple of things come up then I'm like, okay, we move into, let's just say you just talked about her position, how she's sitting. So that was one of the first things that occurred to me when I saw 
and compared to the high priestess because the high priestess it's, it's the way the rigidness in the high priestess and how it's sitting upright you know you have this the spinal column is completely straight you have you know the knees close together making the individual more slender and more stoic and then you have her as a comparison and it's just even her knees are a little bowed out she's kind of slouched a little bit not necessarily i mean she's not slouching but she's just more relaxed and relaxed manner about her and there's this flow on her dress that shows the flow that's you know within this entire image but also kind of from my understanding you know alluding to pregnancy you mm-hmm. know and we talked about that you know you're you're your creativity, your creative force also has to do with new life and, and a new beginning. So do you want to talk about that and the dress that she's wearing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, and I think you said a great job of kind of breaking down the, the positions of their bodies and everything in this, everything has significance and everything has reference. So I like that comparison. And, you know, this this dress just kind of flowing over her and the idea that the Empress card always was historically a pregnant individual really shows us the that aspect of like again nurturing and taking nurture from creation from a potential to an actual creative form. And that's what's that harmonizing aspects about the number three and the number four in this card, because it's really kind of showing us that interplay. And you know, when we're kind of thinking about this even in the alphabet, you have a, which is thought, which is that masculine magician energy. We have B, which is the feminine, which is that high priestess almost energy, which is like curves. And we actually see the potential of a womb, um, you know, different kind of lines um, being presented here with angles. And then we have, or curvature, I should say. And then we have C, which is the third number, which is this like creative aspect of the Trinity, right? But the C is open. And it's it's not until the D comes down that that middle line is dropped and the form is completed and the the parameters of the form is established and we we actually have form which is the, the fourth, and so we're kind of seeing this aspect from gestation to creation um, and just showing the the miracle of childbirth and how we all have this ability to gestate and put creation into this world. Um, it's more than just even the physical representation. Now, in regards to the pomegranates on her dress, how can we associate that to the pomegranates that were in the previous with the high priestess? Yeah, absolutely. And so like, like flowing out of her now, like it's coming through her. You know what I mean? Is that it's like the instilling she we like distilled in the second house what the pomegranates mean. And now in the third, we're instilling it and we're putting it into our creative flow this energy now is tapping into our character and it's playing out through our character. So it's changing who we are. And that's the ultimate aspiration of all this information is to take it from knowledge to wisdom, which is that knowledge in action. And that's what we're seeing. And it's just beautifully flowing off her and she's comfortable with it. You know, he or she's comfortable with it. Right. But it's, it's a comfortable, beautiful kind of thing. And all aspects from her shoulders all the way down to her toes bear that fruit. And it's kind of showing that aspect of that, that working through us. And that's also a huge connection with the idea of fruit, um, the fruits of our labors, the fruits of our thoughts, the fruits of our emotions. Um, fruit, fruit is an interesting thing because fruit represents creation. And so like when we talk about the apple, and like Eve biting the apple, right? 
Um, apple historically meant fruit. And so what the fruit means, what that kind of pulls down to with that esoteric breakdown of like the story of Genesis in the garden, one of the deep natural law principles there is fruit represents flesh because all fruit has flesh. All, everything has flesh in that. And not to gross everybody out, but even the vegans, vegetarians, you're eating flesh. Flesh is needed to be eaten to survive in this realm, right? And so, again, this this idea of creation, the number three, getting almost hypnotized by matter and seduced by matter, shows us if we just enjoy the fruit for the taste of the fruit, we're going to be left with a pit which is like that inside thing, right? And now if we understand that the fruit is actually an expression of something greater, that pit is actually the womb of more life. If mm-hmm. we understand how creative it works and we could actually take that pit and put it in the ground and create more of that fruit. But if we don't know that, if we don't know that the pit is the code and we just see the pit as the end, well, that's how we fall into our own whole hell when we just eat the flesh of creation and just live for the fresh of creation. Um and so that's this big kind of big lesson that's coming with this Empress is again, how do you honor creation? Is it something you escape into or do you use nature to learn its laws to actually escape from? Um, and not so much that we can live above these laws in this creation, but to not come back in this, in like a, a, a cycle kind of situation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, and that's interesting. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to see a lot of representations and a lot of the esoteric information we talk about with fruit. So, right, and fruit's always a good one because it does. It means flesh, and it means the the idea that everything needs to be sacrificed in this realm. And do you understand what your sacrifice is supposed to be? Are you sacrificing to the right things? That's the story of fruit. Fruit plays a huge role, and so with the blossoming of the pomegranates here shows that, like, oh no, I understand this fruit, and it's like working through me. My my fruits are going to bear nutrition for me rather than my fruits being rotten and bearing ill health and, and balance. You know, so this is that the wearing of the character, the wearing of these ideas and when we actually instill them and start expressing them through ourselves. Right. Now, uh, I don't want to, I, as I'm looking at her dress, I'm wanting to continue upward, but I'm going to go back down to, um, if you look at the card on the left bottom corner, you have this stone and this very specific symbol. So this representation of the female archetype. Now, can we kind of break that down of what that really means with the symbol within the stone and the stone and its shape? Yeah, the shield, right? And so it's that shield and it's the heart and it's indicating the planet that rules. Sorry, not a stone, the shield. No, no, you're perfect, but it is. It's like a stone shield, and that's a good way to kind of put it, but it, it is a shield that's sitting by her feet, which again, we the moon was sitting by the high priestess, right? And now we have the shield sitting on the other side, which is very good to know. Um, it's on the right side of the empress where the moon was sitting on the left side. Um, and we have the sigil of Venus here, right? Which is the sigil for the female archetype, but it's going to represent Venus. And Venus is the ruling sign of this harmony and this idea of, you know, matter and spirit being connected, you know, um, it's that combination. It's the coming together of all all things. And this also shows that the heart needs to be protected. And the heart is actually our protector to make sure that we don't get caught up and lost in this, in this realm. Mm. 
and not forget where we came from, not forget that connection to source. The you know Venus represents the per- the pearl that's kind of hidden that we kind of have to find to almost like sober back up to our purpose and to our direction. And so, you know, Venus, again, all about harmonizing, the bringing together of two things. And we brought together the opposites with the yin and the yang to make the trinity, which is the third, you know? It's the bringing together of energies. That's how we understand this this realm is by that masculine feminine creation component and learning that trinity of how it works within us and how it works within nature. Um, and two, you know, Venus is showing us here that there is a beautiful pattern beyond everything that you cannot see. And what you perceive as chaos um, is only the limited perception that we have. And even the trials and tribulations that we go into life, they might not make sense to us in a logical, analytical way. But, you know, just like they say in the book Dune, logic is one step. Nature is one step beyond logic. Um, and that's truly what it is. It's this understanding that we we need to get deeper into ourselves to be able to see this this ultimate pattern that's universally unfolding. And sometimes it can be hard to understand that nature has elegance and grace to it. Um, especially when we're met with like tough situations, but it's all actually formulating a pattern and there's an unfoldment that's trying to kind of go through its process. And that's kind of what Venus kind of helps us understand ultimately is that, you know, there is a pattern to all of this. And that's why synchronicities are so powerful because what that is, it's it's the pattern letting you know not to forget about the pattern. You know, when we see number synchronicities, when certain cards fall out of the tarot deck, when we're like shuffling them, this is this is the universe letting you know that there is a form beyond this force, like a creative form beyond this force, um, or the force is the form, but there's a pattern here that needs to be recognized. And that's what Venus is asking us is like, can you see the pattern not only in the cause, but do you also see it in its effect, which is form? Wow. I had no idea that it was, you know, going into that direction with Venus. Um, you know, again, part of the part of what you decide to interpret, um, it's interesting where a symbol kind of takes you one direction, you know, and I wasn't even thinking of it as the shield. So awesome. Yeah. No, interesting too. And like good question about like protecting your heart. Right. You know, that's not just something because if you just put your heart out on display. Well, it's going to get damaged so many times that you're going to almost like turn it off, you know? Now, this heart also represents unconditional love, which is something that we all will aspire to be connected to in our life. Um, But that's a very tall feat to really experience unconditional love, love that does not have demands, love that does not have, you know, any kind of motives. Um, And we can all tap into it, but that's... That's what this Venus is representing as the ultimate love that's protecting the heart. And that's universal and eternal is unconditional love. Like that motherly love. It very much represented by that motherly love. And again, that's why we don't limit just our own personal experience if we didn't have that connection to be like, oh, there's no such thing as motherly love. No, we have to kind of find it because the universe does have representations of this. And so again, mythology, connecting with the planets, there's a lot of ways to kind of do that, but making sure that we have the proper relationship with the universal mother and the universal father. The universal father is uh, really, really a key to our spiritual development and 
more of these like interrealizations that kind of occur within us. Brilliant, dude. Um, well, thank you. I'm going to continue up as I, I have uh, more questions, of course, but you know, I want to talk about the red and I want to talk about what she sits on the sort of, um, robe like maybe, um, cushion that she's, you know, leaning on, um, and what that representation is. And so from what I just assumed when I was looking at it was sort of that caution of getting too comfortable in the chair, getting too comfortable in a position of just like in this energy of indulgence at time or creativity, there's also, you know, a limit to that. I don't know if that's how I, I, I could, I mean, just, that's just my interpretation. So do you have something to say about that or do we just bypass that? Cause I've no, no, it's, it's very important. And you know, like you said, like everything in these cards have importance, you know? Um, and so we see something interesting here. Cause we see, we see the red of the cushion, right? And then we see the inside red of what we perceives. It's like, it's almost like her, her cape, or if that's like a chair that she's sitting on. Yeah. There's two different things, there's right? There's two, yeah. And so notice though the the distinction in the reds. Yeah, one's darker than the other. One's darker than the other. And one is has considered like a more complete pattern on it. And so what this is showing is it's also showing that like base desires are something that's within all of us. And this is what that red energy is. It's desire energy, right? Now desire energy cannot be taken away from us. It's like boiling water. So it creates steam. So you need pressure release for desire energy. It's impossible if you don't, if you're not moving this energy and you can spiritually do it, but if you're not moving this energy and not releasing it through some kind of pressure release, you'll like explode on the inside, right? And yeah. so what this is, is it's it's her showing that we have like a higher understanding of how to transmute this desire energy within us. And desire then can kind of turn from like compassion, inspiration, higher than just like our lower desire outputs. Mm. But we need to find expression for these, um, or you need to find some kind of way to move them within you internally. And this is something that's really important for us to do is to gain a, a better understanding and relationship how our desire energy works and expresses itself in us. Um, and this is what we're kind of showing because it is the base of our consciousness and it's where creativity and innovation comes from. But we have to make sure it's coming through the right expression and the right, um, almost like the right chakra. What area is that kind of coming out of? And that's what's going to kind of show us. And so, you know, again, desire is something that's unavoidable in this human experience, but how we utilize the desire, that's where our free will comes in. Um, and that's what this empress is trying to kind of show us to, you know, connect with nature to see how you should be unfolding that desire energy. And the, the way she's lifting her right arm and she's holding this golden um, object here, what I, this is one that I didn't really, you know, I was like, I'm going to wait until I sit down and just sort of see where we can go from here. Because, you know, the rest of what we've been covering with the regards of the wand that they hold, this is the shape that it takes and what it represents. Um, I kind of really wanted to, you know, talk to talk about that obviously with you, but uh, I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, we, you know, um, we've got the right hand holding the wand. Um, and this is, 
this is really the idea of this is actually going to and connecting this card to the book of revelations um because this wand actually connects to the 12 stars that are her crown which represent the 12 zodiac signs of the zodiac um and so this is actually in representation talking about the mother that's carrying the child of christ and what this this wand in the right hand is is this accepting of the sacred feminine energy with the marriage with the masculine this the divine masculine that gold phallic like symbol that's in her hand represents the divine masculine and her right hand representing the sacred feminine and the marriage between this of this energy kind of coming down um and so she's doing the same kind of thing that the the high the magician was doing but now we have the feminine component connecting to those energies um and how she's not needing to it's more of like a relaxed holding of it as well. It's not that like holding it above the head like the magician yes, card, which exactly. is that, again, straight line, which would be more masculine penetrating energy. And this is more of a receptive kind of energy. And one of the things that the Empress kind of teaches us is that she's receptive, but she's not so much passive. It's actually like she's deciding on where she wants to put that energy, how she wants to kind of flap, tap into that flow. And that's what this, this receptive energy is kind of representing here. Um, connecting to, again, it's the marriage between the one and the two to create the three. And she is being a form to be that electrical conductor now, which is all that we do. We're just clearing up spaces in our electronic magnetic spacesuits or meat suits to free up this energy for the universe to be to ground in the universe so that's what flows through us and that's exactly what she's doing there um and this shows the really that dance between that left side of the brain and the right side of the brain and how beautiful it really can be when we're we're living in that flow and living in that connection yeah and and again when i saw it i mean obviously you know that it is the one that she's holding but i i really i like the way you sort of uh, covered that because you know when you look at the stars and you said there's a connection there you know you look at the, about the the stars of the crown on her on her head i had no idea what the 12 uh stars be representing the zodiac and so um that's awesome man yeah no i was so much more concerned with like how they're pointed you know they're a five-pointed star oh well that's good or the too. star the six-pointed star um not five-pointed uh-huh. um, and i was like oh it just like bypassed me as far as you know the 12 and so, and so the six-pointed star, that's a great thing because we have 12 six-pointed stars. What is the 12-pointed star? The six-pointed star is that left hemisphere coming in with that right hemisphere, which makes the seal of Solomon, right? And so when we see the six, six-pointed star, that means we understand the light aspect of these, the zodiac and the dark aspect of the zodiac. And not dark as bad, but the aspect of like, we see it, its effects and we see its cause. Um, in both ways, we see the light and we see the shadow of each zodiac sign. And that's what they represent when they're together like that. So the light in the day, but we see all 12, which is that completion. So anytime we see the number 12, it's going to be connected to the zodiac. Anytime you see the number seven, it's going to be connected to the planets. Um, the number 10 can be connected to the planets. And this doesn't mean that there's just seven planets in the universe. What this means is after you get through the seventh planet, you actually just start raising the octaves of the planets that come next. And so it kind of works on this chain. Um, and that's why when people are like, well, there's more than seven planets. And so what it does is you work your way outside of that. And it kind of like the next planets just kind of jump octaves, if that makes sense. Like, 
um, Neptune is the octave above Venus. And like you kind of, you start to see kind of how that works. Um, Makes sense. Right? You know? Yeah. And so that's kind of what we're... Well, it's represented on our necklace as well. So it's like that, I like that. I'll just segue that in there with the seven planets around her neck. I mean, she has the seven pearls on, on her on her neck, you know? So I'd like that you're... Love of that. Oh, you know what? I didn't even see the pearls down there. I love those pearls. And again, the the story of the pearl, right? Going yeah. down and getting that energy, but perfect. Seven pearls, but you 12 were just, signs. I thought I'd squeeze that in there since you're, you know, already kind of on that path. So I like it. Yeah. I, I love mean, that. Again, this card I'm telling you, man, it was just one of the, I don't know. I, I just really appreciate how it lends itself, um, you know, to, to your understanding, but not, uh, not denying that it's supposed to be that way. Right. Right. And again, or I not think hiding you, it. Right. Right. No. And you know, it's, what's cool too is the other one, like seems like a portal between those two pillars. And this one shows you like the portal is like right in your face. It's like, it's nature. It's just like, go outside, connect with this. It's going to be your best teacher. Nature will teach us. That is the ultimate textbook of the esoteric and the occult learning nature you know, getting connected, getting more in tune to the objective. That is what all of these cards are teaching us to do, you know, and that's what the path is kind of hopefully like kind of is the harvest we get, which is the Empress from it. Yeah. Awesome, man. No, and, and I like that you talk about with the previous card, you know, just things that are so obvious, even how they sit with us, you know, like I think um, with the high priestess, you have that, stagnant not necessarily stagnant but still water and on the other side here when you have this water flowing and that the never-ending flowing of of life and how it sort of mm -hmm. recycles and goes through is is super um encouraging as far as when you look at the imagery already you're just thinking in that state you're like oh there's more go like once you've crossed that portal this is what it leads to eventually you know mm -hmm. it's not just always sitting stagnant there's motion in this you know and there's a revitalization and, and uh, a renewal in life and that's what i like about this whole card you know absolutely man life gives life um such a good thing for us to get connected to and understanding that. And again, you know, there is tough lessons that come in this realm, especially when we study nature. But even if you've ever seen like a nature documentary of an animal getting at the prey of like, you know, being a predator to another animal and like collecting that animal, right? There's obviously a struggle in the prey from from the predator but then there's a moment when the prey just kind of surrenders yes that it's given its purpose of like life gives life and this is something that's really important for us because we need to learn this because we're going to need to surrender that at one moment too and we need to make sure we're at peace with that um but that's that's a beautiful thing to see in nature you know that life will give for life and and again we we need to understand how that operates and how it's always kind of working within us. But um, it's a component we have to explore um, and make sure that we are, again, singing the song of life with our greatest, greatest way that we can do it every day. Um, but honoring that, that, that aspect and even that transition that we will, we will all be faced with. Well, well said, man. Um, I'm really glad that we're back on this tarot uh, path because again, as we study other subjects off the podcast and the things that you're putting on Patreon, um, which are great, 
I think that, you know, it sort of allows you to have your specific interpretations of what these symbols represent. And also it lends itself to, uh, you know, a, a vast variety of what could be or what it might be, but all with the same purpose of just understanding ourselves. And so, you know, I think that we refine that more and more as the seasons come on with, with this podcast is, you know, understanding what was left, be, you know, before us a long time ago is still always a applicable to the place that we are in, not just now, but also the laws of this, of this universe that we live in. And so I think, you know, getting back to, to embarking on season three, I'm just excited to kind of evolve, um, with these topics as a, as a human on this journey with you, my friend and all the listeners. Yeah, most definitely, man. Yeah. And again, we'll, a lot of, I think some of this stuff for the Empress kind of touched in with the, the conversation we had with Taurus. And I think that's a great way because Taurus is obviously ruled by Venus as well. Um, so there's a con connection there with those, those recent conversations we had. Um, but there's a lot to be covered with this Empress card. So I think we'll be doing some patron stuff this week, kind of talking about this, going back to all of them. And, you know, we are really um, going to put some energy towards that, the patron and really start to try to give, deeper conversations on all these subjects because again we we so much just kind of scratch the surface and i'm like oh do we just need to do like the empress part two there's just so much to cover that we can kind of keep going with this i'm excited for this i'm excited to do gemini make our way through the the zodiac wheel and um yeah just a big thank you to all the listeners and everybody out there that supports we are so so grateful anything else you want to add to this man no, man, I guess it's just until next time. Cool. Until next time, then.